Once again, that's Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, and reading responsively. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall also of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, in this sacred, these sacred minutes together, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God, that you would speak to the heart of every believer in Christ, every born-again Christian. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in the heart of an unregenerate person within the sound of this voice. Speak to hearts this morning. May those that need to receive Christ as their Savior be born again this day, we pray, and we'll thank you for it. Pray that you do a work of grace now in all of our hearts and lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to be encouraging to you this morning, but I'm preaching on weariness this morning, for the record. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. This too shall pass. And we have one text verse, a very famous verse. In fact, all the verses are famous here if you know your Bible. The Apostle Paul said to the church of Galatia, and let us, that's himself and that's other believers in Christ, but specifically that was the church of Galatia. And let us not be weary Good Christians can get weary, can get weary for doing, in doing bad things, but they can be weary in doing good things. Let's not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, this is not the season, for in due season, in a future season, in a coming season, we shall reap, but there's an addendum, is there not, if we feign not. I want to deal today, and I know I'm being transparent and I could be turned, going into some dangerous territory by accident this morning here. I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be a bummer. I don't want to uh, be doom and gloom at all this morning, on the contrary. But I want you to know there's some tough days. I, I, just as a, as a pastor and as a minister of the gospel of Christ, this year for me, and I'm not looking for pity and sorrow, uh, how many would say, and don't raise your hand on this one, but how many would say this has been the toughest year of my life? Toughest year of my family's life, toughest year of our country's life, or toughest year of our church, church life. At least for me, for 35 years of counting, this has been a tough year, a real tough year. We're preaching to a lot of, I'm preaching to a lot of green this morning. I'm, I'm glad that you're in the services still this morning, and we preach to a lot, of, a lot more green in the 815 service. Churches across America are doing this. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get weary. Webster defined it as weariness. Having the strength 
much exhausted by toil or violent exertion, tired, fatigued. I don't know about you, but I get naturally tired more than ever before. <laughs> In fact, I, it's not, it's a flip side to that. I like to sleep anyhow, so it's a good thing that I get to sleep more because uh, I get tired and get fatigued. I'm just joshing with you a little bit, having a little bit of fun for a moment. But having the patience, weariness, having the patience exhausted, or the mind yielding to discouragement. Boy, when I turn on the news, that's an automatic depressor. When I turn on the television or the radio or what have you, automatic depression. We were driving through uh, one of the towns here, I'll leave unnamed on our spiritual history tour yesterday, and I saw some, some uh, protest. I'll just leave it at that. It depressed me the moment I saw the protest. Uh, a lot of things to, pro- to, to weary us, to discourage us. Thirdly, uh, Webster's, causing weariness, tiresome, as a weary way, a weary life. Paul is addressing this church at Corinth, or this church at Galatia, rather. He's obviously the last chapter of the book. He, we believe he writes it when he's in Ephesus, in Acts chapter 19. Uh, we believe it's the springboard for this book of the Bible to be written. Paul is in Ephesus, and he's ministered there for three years, and he hears that the church of Galatia has been, has been, uh, inter- has been, uh, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, injected, or rather, uh, people have come in unawares and have sowed wrong doctrine, the doctrine of circumcision in order to be saved. And he had to come in and write this book to correct the, 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 those overtaken in a fault. In fact, verse 1, just glance at it for a way of introduction here, way of uh, in, intro to the message this morning. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, Considering thyself, let's also be tempted. Paul was worried that this church had been corrupted doctrinally. He said, bear ye one another's burdens. And verse number two, he's trying to bear their burdens, and he wanted to encourage them to bear other people's burdens that were weak in the Lord. And he said, don't think of yourself too highly. Verse number three, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, verse number four, he said, but let every man prove his own work. Work hard. That takes effort and in, in, exertion. For every man, verse 5, shall bear his own burdens. And then let him that taught, is taught in the word communicate with him that teaches in all good things. The church should be a blessing to the pastor, and the pastor should be a blessing to the church. Be not deceived, verse number 7. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, whatsoever a man soweth, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. How's your sowing this morning? How's your, your uh, planting this morning? What are you planting? If you reap of the flesh, you sow the flesh, you'll reap the flesh. You reap the whirlwind. But if you sow the spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. And then we get to that text verse again. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'd like to address every individual Christian, but I'd like to address our church in specific. As Paul was addressing the church at Galatia in specific, they were in a battle the Bible says in Jude verse 3 of chapter 1, the only chapter, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful or necessary for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly, earnestly contend, that takes effort, work, exertion, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Hey, folks, whether you know it or not, we're in a battle. Whether you know it or not, sometimes Christian life gets tough. Uh, 
we are sowing and not seeing results as we used to see as a church. And I think I don't speak just for our church, but for churches in general across America. I know there's exceptions. But I want you to know that the work of the local church sometimes gets worrisome. I'm not looking for any pity pity and sorrow this morning at all. I don't want that on the contrary. I've been blessed far more than most pastors, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I get it. In fact, let me just let you in a little secret. Harvest Baptist Church has been greatly blessed. We've been greatly blessed of God, and we, we, sometimes we take the blessings of God for granted. When the, the church got here from yesterday, from six different cars from South, South Jersey, of course, uh, Galloway, New Jersey, the pastor said, Pastor, show them the building. I wanted, I wanted to see this building. They, they drove up, when they first drove in, they drove over to the pavilion. They wanted to look out. The, of course, it's all flatland where they're at. And they love the mountains and so forth. They love the scenery. And everybody said, boy, you've got a beautiful building. I've heard that a thousand times, maybe 2,000, maybe 5,000 times. God's been good to Harvest Baptist Church. Don't forget that. God's been very good to us, and don't, don't think otherwise. But I want you to know, even with good people, good churches, that from time to time you can get discouraged, and good pastors can get discouraged. And when Paul said, let us not be weary in well-doing, I have to think that he was also ministering or talking to the pastor of this assembly at Galatia. So this morning, I just have a three-point outline. Now, by the way, by the, pardon me, the, the computer crashed the last night here, and I had my message, I had, I had the bulletin all done, completely 100% done, and I couldn't pull it up. It was gone. I had to do it all over again this morning. So you got a skeleton outline this morning. It's so anemic, it's not even worth hardly putting on the back of the bulletin, but you just got the bullet points. That's all you got this morning. You have to fill in the rest of the blanks all yourself if you'd like to. But I want to give you some causes this morning. Three-point outline this morning. We'll be, try to be brief on the causes because there's so many of them, but I just want to list four causes of what causes us. This morning question is, why do we get weary? How many can answer that question? How many have answers? For, is there, is there plenty of answers that we can give, but I want to give you four from the, the Word of God for sure. And the first reason that we get weary is that of there's weariness in the traveling. In the traveling, Paul was on three missionary journeys. David did much of his, spent much of his life traveling. Or we might call this weariness in the, the Christian journey of life. If you go back to David's 72 or 73 years of earthly life, many of us know David, the man after God's own heart. He spent most of his years, I preached about a two-year series of messages on Wednesday nights, oh, 15 years ago now, on the life, travels, trials, and triumphs of David. And David had some years of hard, hard journeying, hard life. Let me just give you one, for example. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verses 27 to 29. Let me read it to you. One example of David's traveling. And it came to pass when David was come to Mahanaim that Shobai, the son of Nahash, of Rabbah, of the children of Ammon, and Micah, the, the son of Amiel, of Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite of Rogalim, brought beds. Notice they brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kine or cheese of cattle for David and for the people that were with him to eat for, they said, the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. David was running for his life. That can wear you out. Sometimes I feel like we're running for our lives. 
We don't live in a land of persecution as, as like Iran or in China this, this morning or there's plenty of other places in the, around the world that there's great times of persecution. We live in a land of freedom overall. We're thankful for that. But it is, uh, is it, our Christian life is worrisome and our journey gets tiring. And I want to remind you that the Christian life is not a sprint but a marathon. David had to dwell on this earthly, in this earthly tabernacle for 72 years or thereabouts. Abraham, another example of Old Testament journeying. He left Ur of the Chaldees when he was 75 years of age, the Bible tells us. He was in the pagan land all this life when God called him out of Ur and uh, sent him to the promised land. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, it chronicles, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country. Do I need to remind you this world's not our home, we're in a strange country? We're just passing through. Dwelling in tabernacles or tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heir of, with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham began his earthly journey as walking with the Lord and was 75 years of age. God came down and gave him the promise of a seed through his wife, and they were childless. Many of you know the story. And 15 years went by, and when they were 90 and 80, and then God came to him again and spoke to him and, and promised a chosen seed. They, they lapsed in their faith, and of course, the, the, the tragedy of their lapse of faith brought Ishmael along, and that's another story, another time for another event. But when, they, when Abraham was 100 years of age, in Sarah 90, they brought forth their firstborn son of promise, Isaac, the firstborn, living laughter. And then we could fast forward to another, what we believe is another 18, 19, 20 years to where Isaac is offered up as Abraham is an 118 or 120 year old man. He offers up Isaac on the altar. What am I saying? I'm saying Abraham had a long journey and journeying can wear you out and there's ups and downs in our journey, Christian journey. Churches have ups and downs. Families have ups and downs. Individuals have ups and downs as well. And so I think one cause for the natural weariness that comes our way is that of traveling or the Christian journey in general. But then letter B, I think fighting, fighting can cause weariness. Now, a line that had always made me, uh, I despised this line for 30 years since I heard it. It was a certain famous politician of uh, military stripe, I'll leave him unnamed, during the Vietnam War, he made a statement, and many Americans bought into it. And he looked into the camera, and he said, and it has been repeated over and over again, no war is a good war. And people bought that and said, yeah, that's right. No war is a good war. My Bible says fight the good fight of faith. My Bible says there's a good warfare. The Almighty Jesus, Paul, encouraged us to fight a good warfare. David fought a good warfare when he went down to the Valley of Gath and fought the giant. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 9 and 10, there were many good wars. Nobody likes to fight if they've got a natural or a good bone in their body. They don't like to fight, but sometimes we have to fight. The Bible says in Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Man, I'm glad I'm not the son of Dodo, by the way. But anyhow, that's another story. The son of Dodo, the Aholiite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He, that's Eliezer, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned only uh, after him to, to the spoil. 
we're fighting a good warfare. It takes, it, you get weary doing that. I've already quoted Jude 3. Give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation and that we should earnestly contend for the faith. Contending for the faith is not easy. I was talking to, talked to one of my eight or so pastor friends this past week here and talked to, had lunch with a missionary this past week here. And uh, he's locked down from out, locked out of his country. And I'm not referring to Brother Gallo, another missionary. And we're talking church stuff and church work and so forth. And whether you know it or not, churches that are standing for Christ are being attacked today. It's never before in America. And we're in a satanic attack every day. We talked yesterday to the pastor, Pastor Phil Erickson. Some of you know the, the Solid Rock Baptist Church of Berlin. It's a very large church, runs over 1,000 people. And Pastor Charlie Clark uh, has defied the governor. And uh, they open up too soon, and they open up, and they, uh, they've got fines levied at their church. They could pay it at a big church. There's only $14,000 of fines which is, for the size church that they, they, they have. They could easily pay and just wipe it clean. But on principle, they're not paying it, and they're going to court over it. And well, I don't know the rest will say what happens going forward, but we've, we've, uh, we've legalized riots. We've legalized protesting. We have uh, civil rights. We've legalized marijuana clinics. We've legalized abortion clinics, but we've shut down churches in the name of, uh, of safety. And uh, somebody's got to say enough is enough. One day the Antichrist, the coming world leader, I'm not planning to be around when he comes here, by the way, but the Antichrist in the tribulation period, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, that he will wear out the saints of the Most High. It gets wearisome fighting the battles of the Lord, wearisome staying, with the, staying faithful in the New Testament church. I got off subject here. Let me just run this quick rabbit trail. We're having churches more and more, and they're very germane. I talked to my pastor friends this week here, and we see it. It's very common. Some churches are going to just a positive format. They're speaking the truth, but they're only speaking the positive truth. They're not speaking any of the negative truth. And it doesn't make the Sunday morning cut. And there's preaching that's negative. There's preaching that's positive. But by the way, you can't get your car started if you don't have a negative terminal. You need a negative terminal in order to get a positive charge, by the way. That was free. But the fact of the matter is, you... uh, you need to, we're in a battlefield. It's a, the song said it's a battle, battlefield, brother, not a recreation field, a fight and not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay, the song says. And we need to fight the good fight of faith. And so, but it causes weariness. Not only is there traveling, this cause, and the journey, Christian journey causes weariness, and the fighting causes weariness that God's called us to. But then the letter C, this is, this is four of several that I could have named, but specifically the Bible says that correcting sometimes, getting corrected sometimes is weariness. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. You know what I'm trying to do right now in case you haven't figured it out? I'm trying to step on your toes in love. It's kind of hard to do that. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he what? Correcteth. Even as the father of the son in whom he delighteth. Correction is sometimes grievous. I go back to my baseball days, and as I said many times, but the older I get, the better I was in baseball. But when I was a kid, I played a lot of baseball. 
Mr. Wilbur was our coach when I was a 13, 14-year-old boy in senior league. Mr. Wilbur, we had a winning team. We were winning all nine, 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 eight out of ten games for sure. And all the way through from the time I was a nine-year-old boy to the time I was 15, we were on winning teams. It was, felt great. And I remember we played Cork. That's Cork, Ohio, C-O-R-K, Cork, Ohio. It's a very famous metropolitan area like Chicago, Illinois. No, I'm just teasing. teasing. Population about 20. But uh, they had a ba- baseball team, and we played Cork. And I remember specifically... We just, in, we just squeaked by and beat Cork by the hair. By, I think the score was like 3-5 to five or something like that. And Bob Wilbur was our coach, and he was an old man at that time. He was like real, real old. He was like 40 years old at the time, and we were, we were just kids, you know. And he, he sat us down on the bench, and I'll never forget, he chewed us out. You would have thought we lost that game by 30, 30 runs. He chewed us out. He said, you guys played sloppy. You did this. You did that. And I'm thinking the whole time, I thought we played pretty good. We won the game after all. We got a W. But he, what was he trying to do? He was trying to hone us. He was trying to correct us. He was trying to sharpen us. Uh, so remember the, it just popped in my head. Remember this little quip in school, tell the good is better and the better is best. Remember, or never let it rest. Remember that one? I'm just pulling off the top of my head right now. Help me out. Good is better and better is best. Never let it rest. Tell the good is uh, something. Never mind. Maybe it's an Ohio thing, I don't know. But correcting, for the present time, is, is grievous. It's not enjoyable, but it's meant to be for our good. Then fourthly, fourth, and let me hurry along. In fact, glancing at the clock, I need to hurry along. Let me give you the fourth cause of weariness. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 12 says, that much study is a weariness of the flesh. Studying. Or rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. As the chief teacher of Harvest Baptist Church, I am, I am commissioned by God to teach you, rightly divide the word of God from this pulpit. In our Sunday school classes, our Sunday school teachers are to rightly divide the word of truth. The Bible says in Hosea 4 that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We have people that are teaching us that doctrine is not important, that doctrine divides, that love unites. No, you need to be right in your doctrine in regards to who Jesus Christ is, that he is not only the Son of God, he's God the Son. And he's not only a Savior, he's the Savior. Amen. He alone rose from the grave. He alone died on the cross. He alone was, uh, was pardon me, buried, rose again from the grave the third day, and he's ascended up in that glory, and he's coming back again. We need to know these things, most surely believed amongst us. And we need to study to show ourselves approved, and not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We need to know the doctrine, whether it be of God or be of men. I have to be careful of, from time to time, and it's happened probably very, it's happened a number of times, but not that many times over the 35 years of pastoring, but I had to be careful of wolves and sheep's clothing coming in amongst the flock. It's very careful, very, very uh, deceptive. There are counterfeits, and we have to be, I have to expose counterfeits from time to time. It's so important that we do that. And so, what are the causes of, some causes of weariness, according to Galatians 6 and verse number 9, as Paul said to the church at Galatia, let us not be weary in well-doing. Well, there's weariness in the Christian journey, in the constant fight, fighting for the good fight of faith and correcting being corrected and admonished by the Lord and studying and rightly dividing the word of truth. But then three consequences, 
consequence number one of this is the consequences of, for the record, of getting weary and then defaulting because of being weary, and plenty have. But the first consequence is the, that of blessings lost. I say it almost every week. Once saved, always saved. You say, that sounds like uh, licentious. That sounds like liberty. Yeah, we have liberty in Jesus Christ. He paid it all. Eternal security. When I got saved, I got everlasting life. And if you got saved, you got everlasting life as well. You can't lose everlasting life or it's not everlasting. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your rewards. I'll give you an example. In Acts chapter 15, you need not turn there for time's sake. But we see at the end of the chapter that Paul and Barnabas were on their first missionary tour together. And they had been with John Mark. But they were ready to launch into their second missionary journey. And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with, with them on their second missionary journey. But John Mark had left the work of God in Pamphylia in Asia Minor. Greece, rather. Upper Greece, or rather, I guess it is. Macedonia, to be specific, I believe. And he left the work. He got scared. He was afraid for his life. And he left the work. And Paul thought it not good to take John Mark with him. John Mark left the work of God. I can't think that he lost out on some blessings. The Bible says we shall reap in due season if we faint not. And I've learned, and I've said it, I said it last week, I said it again. You know, we've learned one thing we've learned in 2020. I'm not trying to hurt anybody when I say this. I'm just being blunt, just being honest. Here's what we've learned among with a solid, solid truth here. Quitting is easy. Quitting is very easy. Economically, we had the greatest economy in the history of America and the history of the world, for that matter, going into 2020. Not so much anymore. We had a job growth like we've never seen before. Not so much anymore. We've had millions of people, some I'm talking to within the sound of my voice. You had a good job, you're no longer working. Job's been shut down. Economy's been shut down. Church has been shut down. We, and I've learned as we're trying to get up and running again, trying to revamp and restructure, and we've got these red things along the pews, and you're socially distancing. And I'm, I'm glad that we're socially distancing. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not bashing that. Although the fire marshal said we can have 170 people in the room. He said it. I mean, not me. That's what he said. Just take it, just take it up, blame it on him, not me. I, I did tell him, Bob, his first name is Bob. He said, Bob, you won't have to worry about having us having 170 in the room here anytime soon. So don't worry about that. But that's our max right now. Half size, 340 we're allowed to have. But half now, right now. But going back to the point, we're losing a lot of things in America. We're losing a lot of things in our own life, and we're losing uh, a lot of blessings in our churches. Thousands and thousands of churches have been hampered and shut down and so forth. And it's harder to get, them, get it going once you stop something. You know, it's way easier to break a habit than it is to develop a habit. It's way, way easier to get in a regimen of faithfulness than it is to become unfaithful. And I'm afraid, and I just, I'm not preaching to you, obviously, you're here this morning, and we got some folks social distancing, and I'm glad for our senior saints that are staying away on purpose and uh, being careful, that's good. We want them to be good until this whole thing is over with, hopefully get over with someday. But we have some people that are now using this thing for, as an excuse. 
there's some people that could go back to work that they don't want to go back to work now. They got used to being not working. It's kind of nice to have a paycheck coming in every week that you don't have to work for. It's kind of nice having an economy in an America where you get to do do things that you didn't have to, you had time for that you don't have time for now. It's, but there's a payday coming someday. Blessings lost. Now's the time to serve the Lord because work for the night is coming when no man can work. So blessings are lost. The consequences of defaulting and becoming weary and dropping out. The second consequence is that of battles left. Say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Battles left. Let me give you two verses. Colossians 4.14. Paul, again speaking, he said, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Later on, chronologically speaking, he says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, the last book that Paul wrote before his meeting the Lord, he said, for Demas, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. I believe one day we'll meet Demas in heaven, and Demas's sins will be, they'll be washed away by the blood of the Lamb, and we won't remember that Demas forsook the Lord. I don't know how that's going to work, because the word of God abides forever and ever. This is a conundrum to me, but I'm getting too deep now all of a sudden here, just my my brain working, fluttering, working too much overtime here, or not making sense here, but making sense in my head, not, not in your head. <laughs> but uh, Demas, we'll meet Demas. He's a believer in Christ, but he forsook the work of God. He forsook Paul and the work of God and having loved this present world, one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Hey, I want to remind you that we're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if, you, if you're saved this morning, you, you know you've been born again, blood washed, blood bought with a humble, give me a humble amen this morning. Amen. amen. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I could tell you, tell you shout amen, but I'll tell you, give me a humble amen. Amen. By the grace of God. Saved this morning. Then you're a part of the army of God. There's no retreat in God's army. There's many good soldiers that have defaulted, though, however, and have retreated, and it's sad. I love the poem. It's an old poem. It's probably 100 years old now, I suppose. But the shoe was lost for the want or the lack of a nail. The horse was lost for the want or lack of a shoe. The rider was lost for the want of a horse. The battalion was lost for the want of a rider. The battle was lost for the want of a battalion. The war was lost for the want of a battle. All for the want or the lack of a nail. Oh, the importance of little things, little decisions, one person. You say, preacher, you're getting sensational. No, I'm getting biblical. Lord Jehovah God would have saved all of Israel, but Ezekiel 22, 30 explains why he couldn't save Israel when it got down to the crunch time down to the time of demise he says and I saw it that's Jehovah God for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should destroy not but I found none I love revolutionary civil war history rather I've stood on the back side of a little round top in Gettysburg Pennsylvania a number of you have been there we've taken bus trips there I can see the plot of ground on the backside of the little round top where Joshua Chamberlain, the 
general of the 181st of the Maine Regiment. Had 240-some troops, I believe it was. After a couple hours of battle, it was whittled down to 80 men that could hold a, hold a gun, but no more ammunition. And the Alabama, Alabama Brigade was coming up the hill for the third time, the third charge, hundreds of them, thousands of them. With 80 men left, Joshua Chamberlain said those words, Fixed bayonets! Then he said that next word, Charge! The fool. And they charged. And as they say, the rest is history. The North held that hill. The Union held on to Little Round Top. If you know your battle stratagem of Civil War, he who took, little, took the high ground takes the battle. He who takes the battle takes the war. In the case of the greatest battle in Civil War history, the Battle of Gettysburg. The North, the Union held that hill. And as they say, the rest is history. Because one man said, charge. And they charged. Oh, the importance of little things. Battles left. Blessings lost. The third consequence, though, of... of... Uh, or defaulting in the battle, or being weary, is Belial, I had to keep the B things going, Belial, that's Satan. Belial laughs. I can just see in the Revelation chapter 12, it says in, that Satan, nine days, stands before the throne of God and he accuses the brethren. I can just imagine in my mind's eye, C.S. Lewis wrote screw tape, or the, the screw tape Letters, some of you have read that book, I've seen the play down in Off-Broadway in New York City, screw tape, and I'm trying, I'm a senior moment, I can't think of the devil, screw tape, and uh, I can't get it out, and anyhow, back to the story, uh, the battle where Satan is talking to one of his demons, and he's gloating, and he's gloating in front of the throne of God, and he says, and he's talking about us that have defaulted, or Christians that have defaulted, they had you, they had the Father, do you know we have the Father? If you have Jesus Christ, you have the Father. If you have Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. In him, that's in Jesus Christ, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In fact, you don't have the Father, you don't have the Holy Spirit if you don't have Jesus Christ. But I can imagine Satan mocking at the throne of God. They've been loved by the Father. They've been loved by you. They've been, loved. They've been sealed by the Spirit. They've been bought by the Son. They have the whole entire word of God, the whole canon of scripture. They, have, they can go boldly to the throne of grace in their time of need. They can go to prayer. They have, the, they have an intercessor that ever lives for them. They have all of that. And yet I still got them. They still quit. Satan laughs. Satan mocks when a Christian falls. Well, let me give you the four cures for weariness this morning quickly. Cure number one, letter A. The verses, Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, and do you know it? And not be what? Not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. We need to wait upon the Lord in difficult times. I've already alluded to it, but this is, in my opinion, my humble opinion, this has been the toughest time of in my church history, in my life, this year of 2020. 
It's been a tough sledding, tough going, more depression than ever before, more discouragement than ever before, more suicides than ever before, by the way, more drug usage and prescription drugs and otherwise, I'm sure, probably than ever before, if the truth be known. And churches, I won't go through the list of things that are no more. I've already alluded to no Sunday school, no communion, no offering plates, no vacation Bible school, no on and on we could go, no fellowships, no bus trips, no special meetings, no revival meetings, no missions, on and on, ad infinitum it seems like. So many things got shut down. It's kind of like this weather lately. We've been in a drought up until this morning. I don't think we've got enough rain to really shout and praise the Lord for necessarily for the amount of rain, but I'm thankful for every little bit we get, but we're in a drought. Sometimes churches get in a drought and I think churches across America and around the world, for that matter, are in some ways experiencing drought. We're drying up. Yet the Bible tells us, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We're still on the winning side. God's still on the throne. We're still, the gates of hell should not prevail against his church just because we're in a season of dryness. Just keep on keeping on, keep on being faithful. Psalms 46 and verse 10, in a time of discouragement, in a time of distress, a time of doubt and drought, if you will. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. In a time of weariness, wait upon the Lord, and he shall renew his, your strength in his due time, in his due season. Letter B, Mark six thirty one. Jesus said about his disciples, he said, come ye apart and rest a while into a desert place, or come ye apart into a desert place and rest a while. Rest in the Lord. We, you know, this is for you workaholics out there. I hate to impugn myself, but I'll do it again for the thousandth time. Sometimes I act like in my mind and the way I perform and work that the ministry of Harvest Baptist Church depends on my performance. Oh, if that's the case, we're dead now. We're, we're, we're in trouble now. But sometimes I think, I've got to work harder. If I only visited more, if I only prayed more, if I only studied more, if I only organized better, if I only did this, if I only did that. And I'm not the hardest working pastor in the world for sure, but I work fairly hard. And the fact of the matter is, the work is not my work, but it's God's work. We, you can't do anything in your flesh either. You can't do the work of God in your flesh. The armor of flesh will fail you every time. We have to rest in the Lord. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, you're weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for I, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn to rest in the Lord. Learn to wait upon him in his timing. He'll deliver. Let her see. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, I think we quoted last week. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Think on the Lord. Think on the Lord who for the joy of was set before us endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, the throne of God. for consider him that endured, endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The battle, my friend, the battle, my Christian brother or sister in Christ, is in the mind. It's a spiritual warfare going on. I watch, turn on television, or some preachers used to say the television, and I watch the news, 
and I see the, and I turn on my radio or the, the internet, and, uh, and everything's almost negative instant, instantaneously. You know what I'm talking about? This new 2020 world that we're living in. And my mind starts to spiral down very quickly. We've got to be informed. We've got to know what's going on. It's important to fight the good fight of faith. But don't dwell on it. Our hope is in the Lord. Hey, there's one reason not to get discouraged. One reason only. God. God alone. He's able to deliver. And so think on the author and finisher of faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. He endured the contradiction of sinners. He died on the cross for your sin and my sin. He did 10,000, 10 million times, 10 million times more than we could ever do in a, a hundred earthly, a thousand earthly lifetimes for that matter. So in God's for us, he's not against us, he's for us. Think on the Lord when you get discouraged. Wait upon the Lord, rest in the Lord. But then fourthly, don't turn me off, please. Let me give you an application, we're done. But 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. But thanks be to God, the Apostle Paul was able to write, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in the light of the fact that we had the victory, in the light of the fact that we're going to see him one day, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Watch and work for the Lord in these times of weariness. I end with an illustration and an application we're done. Donna Eddy, where'd my wife go? Oh, there she is. She's the only one who knows when I say Donna Eddy. The Eddy family, they brought Sonny's family to the Lord in Iowa 60 years ago. Sonny's family had, mom and dad had seven children, six girls and a boy. The Eddy family had seven children, six girls and a boy. Donna Eddy, 60-something years ago, brought Jim and Marla's share to the Lord. And their kids got saved, and their grandkids, and their great-grandkids now. And Donna Eddy's been serving the Lord. I talked to her pastor, Ed Hannes. Some of you know that name. He's been here in our pulpit before. From Marshalltown, Iowa. It's her, it's her pastor also happens to be one of her sons-in-laws, one of her six sons-in-laws. She says, Pastor, when are we get our church open? She's in her 90s. She, they had internet service, services for, for weeks on end like we did like all across America. When are we going to open up the doors, Pastor? People are dying and going to hell. We've got to open up the doors of the church. When are we going to start serving God again, Pastor? Son-in-law? She just, she just socketed to him. <laughs> Donna said goodbye, farewell, see you later to her husband of 60-some years, about two or three years ago, Dick graduated to heaven. I've given an illustration a couple times. They have over 100 offspring. All seven of their kids got married. They all had big families, seven, eight, nine kids apiece. Now all those seven, eight, nine kids apiece and seven families, they're all having kids galore. They had a reunion about five years ago. They had over 100 people come from, the, specifically from the family, from the, 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 the seed, if I could be so bold to say that, the seed of Donna and Dick Eddy. And uh, almost every one of them serving God today. Paul said to this church at Corinth that was getting weary. Good people. Good people get weary. Good churches get weary. Sometimes there's good years and then there's bad years. And the Bible says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap to the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap to the spirit. 
And let us, you that are trying to do the work of God in the household of faith, verse 10, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, hint, hint, this is not the season, we shall reap if we faint not. Weariness. There's plenty of causes for weariness. There's consequences for defaulting from weariness. But if we'll wait on the Lord, rest in, rest in the Lord, think on the Lord and the author and finisher of our faith and watch fervently for the Lord, one day he's going to come and take his servants home and we'll say it was worth it all to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, if I've been too, if I've said something that was out of line or something that was hurtful, Lord, please erase it from someone's memory. Lord, you know my intent and my thought, though. My intentions are not to hurt anybody, but to help. Lord, I pray for Christians this morning. Pray for our church family. Lord, there's many people, Lord, that are not within the sound of this voice this morning, either in the building or they can't be on the Internet right now, but, Lord, later on they can listen to the message, but some don't even have computers. Lord, I pray for each person within the sound of this that identifies as this gospel preaching assembly. Maybe be diligent. Maybe not get weary in well-doing. We're going to get weary. You've assured us of that. There's times of weariness. But let us not get weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we fain not. Help us to stay on the battle firing line, dear God. Help us to stay in the fray, in the battle. May we know that there's some good fights to fight. Maybe not pleasurable fights, but good fights. Maybe not fights to, that we're excited about, but fights that need to be fought. But Lord, may we speak the truth always in love. Lord, I pray for Christians this morning, dear God. May we fight the good fight of faith. May we not get weary in well-doing and continue to be faithful. Lord, help us to work for the night is coming when no man can work. Help us to work till we hear the shout or until you, take, you call us home. Then, Lord, I pray for those who might need to be saved today. Lord, do a work of grace, Holy Spirit of God, that only you can do in hearts and lives. Save that soul that needs to be saved even this morning, I pray. And I pray you bless in this invitation time. Now we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, 358, I believe it is in the hymn book. 357.